Welcome to the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, where it's all about slashing your debt and taxes and creating a liberated lifestyle. And now, your host, with a love of fantasy books and funk, and a hatred of running more than three miles, Dave Denniston. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping doctors like you slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle. Well, I wanted to spend a few moments, well, a lot longer than a few moments, talking about something that I am concerned about, talking about something that is going to be an imminent problem. Not today, but in the near future, this has been a can kick down the road for far too long. I am, of course, talking about one of the third rails in politics, social security. I believe as Winston Churchill said, uh, Americans always know when to step in 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 a crisis um, because it took us so long in World War II to, to come around. I might have slightly slaughtered that quote, but basically the whole idea of, of uh, we as a country will step up when uh, at the last moment. <laughs> so uh, that, that's often true, and that, that is true of this issue. Obviously, this is a politically charged issue. The, the left and the right both have different things to say about it. So... Um, I, I personally consider myself an independent with Republican leanings, but I don't agree with, with the whole platform. So um, if, you, if you are far more left-leaning, I, I hope uh, you hear my heart and my, my thoughts on this. If you are much more right-leaning than I am, I hope you also hear my heart and my thoughts on this as we try and and grapple with this problem of Social Security. And as we go through this, you know, I really encourage you to think about this as we get into future elections. I encourage you to bring this up as issues with your constituency, with with the, the politicians, with um, people that want to go to public office. Um, this is going to impact us. Most of us that are listening to this podcast are probably somewhere between 25 and 55. This will impact us, our generation, the the late baby boomers or kids of baby boomers. Uh, this, this is us that is going to have to do this. This will probably be our politicians in the next few years from now. Uh, as perhaps President Biden is, is done with office, maybe they'll even and try and get it solved. It seems like every time some some goodwill comes around for someone to say something, but often it's the politicians that are leaving and not the ones that are, are staying. And so nothing ever seems to get done with these these issues. And I think bipartisanship will help. So if we can all come together on this, that would be huge. So what I'm going to do is um, first I want to educate you on the history of Social Security. I want to educate you on some topics I did in, in a seminar about how is it calculated? What are some of the things you want to think about when you want to take Social Security? And finally, um, how do we solve this problem? How do we 
make this work for the long term for our country. So that's my heart going into this, and let's let's kind of dive into it. So Social Security came around in the early 30s as we were coming and going through the Great Depression. If you can imagine at this time, not only was the Great Depression going on, but there was the, the Dust Bowl going on in the Midwest where the, the Grapes of Wrath took place and... and um, Farmers were hurting so badly, and um, the country out of work, uh, inflation being an issue, food supply being an issue because of so much of the country uh, being being dry and um, unfertile, and um, there, there was a lot of, of scare at the time, and a lot a lot of bad things happening. Hitler rising to power, um, certainly. Crystal knocked in some of those horrible things that happened in the later 30s. Um, this this was the stage of of nationalism and protectionism and countries trying to figure out what the heck are we going to do after the the bubble burst in in 29. So how it all started, there was a campaign for the governor of Louisiana. A politician named Dudley LeBlanc proposed a monthly stipend for the el- elderly. Huey Long who was in Louisiana, saw how popular that was and subsequently adopted it in his national platform as he was running for office. Uh, so then there were some political scientists at the University of Wisconsin, Edwin, Edwin Witt, Arthur Altmeyer, Wilbur Cohen, developed the 1934 proposal for a federally funded pension plan. And, you know, it, it definitely wasn't perfect, it isn't perfect, and it was really controversial. Um, there there certainly wasn't, until about this time, federal income taxes. Those didn't exist before the, the 20s. And um, you can imagine if there were, there were no taxes before, as we moved from this industrial society that was heavily, 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 heavily manufacturing and farming in terms of income, more so farming than, than manufacturing, and manufacturing's taking us all over, advent of cars, advent of planes, this, this setup for all of this at the time. Um, socialism was a concern. And in one Senate Finance Committee hearing, one senator, we don't know, uh, who, but asked the Secretary of Labor, Francis Perkins, isn't this socialism? And he kept on pressing, <laughs> pressing, aren't you starting socialism? Most women, uh, was interesting, were excluded um, because um, they weren't really working much at that time. As a matter of fact, there were a whole host of categories that weren't covered in the act. Government employees, both federal and state, were one of them. You could imagine many um, people that were working on farms, you know, where, you, where you're not paying wages in the same way, weren't, weren't covered by the act. Um, you could imagine housekeepers and domestic servants who were paid more, more in cash at the time um, weren't covered by the act. Many, um, you can think of, when you think of, of government folks, you think of teachers, maybe nurses, librarians, social workers, people like that were excluded from Social Security. 
And we know a lot of those things changed over time. Um, there was a lot of controversy about African Americans in it, because uh, apparently, uh, with a lot of the uh, domestic service that African Americans were doing, particularly in the South, a lot of the agrarian work African Americans were doing weren't covered. As a matter of fact, the NAACP protested it, saying that it has a huge holes that the majority of African Americans would fall through. But it did pass, it did go through, it did happen. And what's fascinating to me about Social Security was how much it has grown. Here's some statistics on payments from Social Security. In 1940, the benefits were $35 million. In 1950, $961 million. So 10 years later, the benefits rose 300 or 3,000 percent, 3,000 percent in a decade. Another 10 years after that, 1960, 11.2 billion dollars, 10 times, more than 10 times, 11 times what it was in 1950. So just astronomically going up in cost. 1970 multiplied by three, so not nearly as high. But still, $32 billion in 1960. In 1970, $120 billion multiplied times four again. In 1980, does I just say that? $120 billion in 1980, $247 billion in 1990. Again, doubled over 10 years. And in 2004, we don't know the 2000 number, 2004, $492 billion of benefits. Again, another double and then by 2009, $650 billion in benefits. When we look at last year, looking here at the report, looks like a total of $911 billion in 2019. So we're almost a trillion dollars into this. And um, you can see the rate is slowing down where we're not growing by 10 times or a thousand times or three times or doubling. Um, but it certainly is continuing to be a bigger and bigger number and a bigger and bigger part of our budget. Now here's what's interesting too, as we look at how long people worked for. In 1950, Americans worked 40% of Americans over 65 were still working, 40%. By 1980, that was less than 20%. By 1990, less than 11%. So just imagine that the decline in the, the age group of those of us working. So that's something we'll have to revisit as we talk about some of these problems with Social Security. Now, it has been amended a lot of different times, been amended in 1939, amended in the 50s and 60s. <clears throat> uh, the tax rate has increased dramatically. So originally it was just a couple percent. In 1956, it was raised to 4%. In 1961, the retirement age at 62 <clears throat> uh, was extended to pretty much everybody. Tax rate 
was increased to 6%. More changes in 1965 as part of the Great Society. More amendments in 72, adding on cost of living adjustments. More amendments in 77, which withholding. And then some big changes in 1983 that um, are worth talking about as we, we continue on in the discussion here. So you can see it wasn't just a one-time law. This has been something that has changed over time. Um, there, there have been huge changes to the program since it started. It's not the same thing that it was back then. As a matter of fact, the average mortality age, from what I read, was somewhere around 62 back in the, the 30s. As many of us know, mortality, the, the length of time we live, has gotten higher and higher and higher. Today, I, I believe that's around 82 for men and 83 or 84 for women. So we are living 20 years longer than we used to. So that, that's one of the things that have happened. And has the, the age of Social Security risen? No, it hasn't. 62 is the same as it was back in the, the 30s. And with some of the amendments we're talking about to cover, cover um, all sorts of people in the 50s and 60s. So as we look at this on a go-forward basis, we have to ask ourselves, what does, what does this look like for the future? What are changes that we can make to continue this program, which benefits many, many, many Americans? Matter of fact, if you pull the numbers about, um, uh, for the average person, Social Security is about 40% of their retirement income. So almost half, certainly for those that are poor and, and have less savings um, and have a lower savings ability, it's an even bigger chunk. So a huge amount of this is relied on for retirement in today's world. So we want to keep keep it going because it impacts everybody and certainly impacts the, the poorest folks more than everyone. So let's talk, now that we, we have a little bit of the history, let's spend the rest of the time in the first part of the podcast today talking about um, how earnings are calculated um, and then we'll talk next time in, in part two of this of uh, the long-term projections of Social Security and then, of course, ways that we can fix it and my proposals to fix Social Security. And now let's take a moment for a quick commercial break. Well, my friends, the holiday season is upon us. And I have to be honest, I have a lot of inventory of books and all kinds of things that I am wanting to get rid of and out of my office. If you might be interested in getting a discounted um, amount on all of the books that I have available, would love to hear from you. Give me a call at 612-284-2409. Again, if you're interested in getting some discounted books for this holiday season from me that I've written, all the materials, um, recorded version of the book, all that kind of stuff, give me a call 612-284-2409 and I will give you some fat discounts so I can have more space available to me. Again, that's 612-284-2409. Thanks. Bye-bye. And now... Back to the show. So what happens 
with calculating Social Security today, you take the highest 35 years of earnings and you adjust them by inflation. This is called your AIME. So let me say that again. So you take your every single year's worth of earnings since you've been working, you tally it up. And remember, this is earned income. We're not talking about dividends or anything like that. This is how much you earned at work. <clears throat> and then you adjust it for inflation. So maybe you earned $10,000 20 years ago. Well, when it comes to Social Security, they're actually multiplying inflation on top of that. So in today's dollars, you might be looking at $30,000 that you would have earned 20 years ago. So they adjust it for inflation. So um, then they average the 35 years of earnings. So they average those inflation-adjusted earnings. And then on top of that, they divide it by three bend points that I'll talk about here shortly to determine your primary insurance amount, the PIA, which is the amount you would receive at full retirement age. I'll talk about each of these concepts as we, as we go on here to help you better understand it, and we'll revisit it. So those are two acronyms that I really want you to get your, your hands around AIME, your highest 35 years of earnings, and number two, PIA, your primary insurance amount, which is divided by three bend points. So here's an example. Let's say there's a baby boomer born in 1959. They turn 62 in 2021. And let's say that when they average out, um, let's say they've maximized their Social Security earnings every year since age 22. Their AIME is calculated as being $11,098. Well, for that PIA, that primary insurance amount, here's the formula. The first $996, we're going to multiply times 0.9, or 90%, if you will. That gives us $896.40. The next $5,000, $6,002 minus $996, you multiply times 0.32. So you get a lower credit for the next $5,000. That gives us $1,601.92. And then third, remember in this case, we're talking about $11,098 AIME. We're going to subtract 6002 for that, for the, the credit we've just gotten. We have $5,096. And we're going to multiply that times 0.15%. So you can see every dollar you're earning, once you get over $1,000, you're getting less of a credit for it to your PIA. So when you add up the 996 times 0.9, the 5006 times 0.32, and the 5,096 times 0.15, that gives us your PIA. So there, there are very specific formulas of how they are calculating it. That's the nice thing about Social Security. It's, it's difficult to understand some of these concepts we're talking about, but once you have a handle on it, 
you can see this isn't some black box. This is easily calculated if you have all the numbers in front of you. Now, um, one of the changes in 83 was full retirement used to be 65, I believe it was. But then they enacted a change that made your full retirement age, this is the, the third uh, acronym we're gonna talk about here, FRA, that uh, if you were a baby boomer born between 43 and 54, your full retirement age would be 66. At age 50, uh, people born in 1955, it's 66 in two months. 1956, 66 in four months, and so on until it capped out at age 67, in 1960 and later. So most of us that are listening to this podcast, we've probably been born in 1960 or later. Currently, the way the system stands, this is us. Full retirement age of 67. Now, the other thing that happened with 1983 was um, there's this penalty on your full retirement age of your PIA. Um, so let me let me help to make this a little clearer. So for my folks, my folks were born in 1947. So their full retirement age is 66. So at age 62, if my folks had applied for Social Security at that time, there's a 25% penalty. So of their PIA, that primary insurance amount, which was that formula we were just going over, if they started it at age 62 they would have had a 25% penalty. For us, there's a 30% penalty. So my folks could collect 75% of their PIA for us, those of us that were born 1960 or later, that's a 30% haircut. So you notice that there's a bigger penalty for taking the money early. At 63, it's a 20% penalty or you get 80% of your PIA, that primary insurance amount, which is that amount <clears throat> that you receive. And finally, you know, you have lesser and lesser penalties as you get to full retirement age. So you get 100% of your F of your PIA at age 66 if you're born like my folks are before 1954. If you are those of us at least the way the system stands today, it's 100% at age 67 for your full retirement age. And then if you delay, you get credits. So for example, uh, they're 8% a year. So someone like my folks that were born in 47, then they could get 132% of their PIA. Uh, those of us like me, uh, born in the the 60s or 70s or 80s, it's 124%. So we have a lower PIA bonus than perhaps our parents have had. So that that's the way the, the system currently works. And again, those, those three terms, <clears throat> to go over those acronyms again, AIME, which is your inflation-adjusted 35 years of earnings, PIA, which is that formula where I was taking percentages, based off of the, the first few thousand dollars of your AIME, which gives us the, the primary insurance amount, basically bottom line, the amount you're gonna receive at full retirement age.
And then you have your full retirement age, which uh, for my folks was 66. For people born between 55 and 59, it's 66 years and some change. And then finally, for those of us born 1960 or later, it's 67 um, years or older to be full retirement age, which then there are those um, penalties or instead premiums added to uh, your Social Security or subtracted from your Social Security benefit, depending upon what age you started at. So as we think about Social Security, the longer you live, right, the more money you're going to get out of it. The shorter you live, obviously, the less money you're going to get out of it. And there's a lot of strategies around Social Security. Maybe we'll, we'll leave that for a different day um, because I want this conversation to really be around the problem and, and how to fix it. Um, the One of the other major changes that happened in 83 had to do with the taxation of benefits. So before 1983, Social Security wasn't taxed ever. After 1983, it started becoming taxed, which helped to bring in some revenue back. Now, it's not taxed for everybody. So here's what's interesting. If you are doing married filing jointly under $32,000 of provisional income, I'll talk about that in a second, there's no Social Security taxes. 32 to 44,000, up to 50% of Social Security is subject to taxes. Over $44,000, up to 85% is subject to taxation of your Social Security. So when I say up to 85%, up to 50%, that doesn't mean you're going to lose 50% of your Social Security to taxes. It means that that it gets added to your tax bracket. Up to 50% can be, or up to 85% can be. Notice, and this will get to one of my, my solutions later, there's not a up to 100% solution here. It's capped at 85. Maybe there should be 100%. So let's talk about that more a little bit later. Now, here's, what, here's what's interesting is um, Alan Greenspan, who later became the federal funds chairman, was actually the head of the National Commission of Social Security Reform, which helped to um, pass the big 1983 amendments. And what, what that ended up uh, doing was... Originally, he projected and, and his commission projected, so it wasn't just him, to be fair, that something like um, 10% of people might uh, end up being, being taxed on it. Well, today, because those brackets haven't changed since 83, nearly 40% of beneficiaries are paying taxes on their benefits. So 40% are, which means 60% are not paying taxes on their benefits. So about 60% of us are getting scot-free, not having to pay a single tax on Social Security, while 40% are. Hmm, maybe that's something we might want to look at changing 
if we want to save the health of the program. So um, we'll talk talk more about that in um, some of our, our later things. I do want to to address a little bit that um, it does help currently, but it's a relative drop in the bucket compared to what's being spent. Total taxes that are received on benefits is about $35 billion out of the, the total revenue of about $918 billion that was received from the payroll taxes that we all pay and employers pay on top of the, the taxes paid on OASDI benefits on top of interest earnings from the treasury bonds that the OASI is um, invested in, the Social Security Fund. So um, a lot to, to chew on there as, as we're understanding kind of some of the basics and, and what happens um, with taxes. Now, remember I said provisional income it determines what, um, whether or not your social security will be taxed. What is provisional income? It's AGI, your adjusted gross income, which include things like withdrawing from retirement accounts, dividends, interest, pensions, all of those different kinds of things. If you sell stuff, whether a house or precious metals or something, uh, Bitcoin that you have to pay capital gains on, that would be included with any AGI. If you are um, making money from a job, that's included within AGI. Plus one half of your social security benefit plus tax exempt interest, that'd be municipal bonds. So provisional income, AGI, plus one half of social security benefit plus tax exempt interest. So you notice that that provisional income is only half of the social security benefit. They're not even including the whole thing in those numbers, which those numbers again, under 32 grand, 32K to 44K, and then over 44K that is finally taxed up to 85% of it. So a lot of different things to play with, a lot of different things to consider, you know, as, as we look at um, social security, Remember, there, there's a lot of numbers involved into this, the 35 years of earnings, the actual PIA formula that, um, so AIME, the PIA formula that you plug in to actually get your number, and the ages with the penalties, the full retirement age, the FRA, and um, the credits and the, the penalties for... Um, either withdrawn early or waiting and, and getting a higher benefit. And then, of course, the cost of living adjustment as um, all part of that. And finally, the taxation on Social Security. So I, I think that gives you a good idea of kind of the background. This gives you a good idea of um, the backbone of Social Security as we start thinking about solutions and... Um, what can happen. I'll talk a little bit more about, about taxes and payroll taxes and where things come from as, as we start to look at solutions and numbers that have been crunched by government officials in the past. 
So I hope you enjoyed this this process. I hope you enjoyed this. Certainly, if you have um, parents or someone that is thinking about taking Social Security, I would recommend listening to this podcast to help them give a, a better understanding of what's behind it and um, as they think about retirement and when to take Social Security. And I certainly can do other podcasts if that might be of interest in terms of claiming strategies and stuff like that. And now let's take a moment for a quick commercial break. Well, my friends, the holiday season is upon us. And I have to be honest, I have a lot of inventory of books and all kinds of things that I am wanting to get rid of and out of my office. If you might be interested in getting a discounted um, amount on all of the books that I have available, would love to hear from you. Give me a call at 612-284-2409. Again, if you're interested in getting some discounted books for this holiday season from me that I've written, all the materials, um, recorded version of the book, all that kind of stuff, give me a call 612-284-2409 and I will give you some fat discounts so I can have more space available to me. Again, that's 612-284-2409. Thanks. Bye-bye. The very next podcast is uh, The Proposals to Fix Social Security. So tune in for that next week, and I'll look forward to talking to you soon. For the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast, this is Dave Dennis. And remember, friends, remember to slash your debt, slash your taxes, and live a liberated lifestyle.